Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, a podcast that doesn't have a problem and can quit anytime it wants. Anytime it wants. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. The other host, Dan Ludwig. And uh, we've been away for a little bit, unintentionally. We didn't really mean for this to happen, but uh, the bottom line is Dan's getting married. Yeah. uh, And it's taking up a lot of our time. Yeah. Uh, A surprising amount. I'm going to throw this out here, Dan. Uh, Anyone who has a destination wedding is a bad person. Yeah. Well, to be fair, a destination wedding's general goal is to get as many of your friends and family to not show up as possible. Ideally, you want just a lot of just to lose a, a lot of the a lot of the the chaff from the wheat. Really, it's it's kind of to to really uh, get only the most dedicated friends and family, which is uh, an unforeseen issue. Is when everybody decides to fucking show up. Everybody turns out everybody wants to go to goddamn Puerto Rico. I should have made it Spain. It was gonna be Spain. Yeah, no. The problem is you you picked something that was. Just inconvenient enough to be annoying, but not inconvenient enough to be a real deterrent. Yeah. Like, uh, you don't even need to get a passport for this one. I know. I should have made it, like, 15% more inconvenient. So... But anyway, yeah, this this is taking up a lot of our time, uh, including bachelor party planning and things like this. And uh, I don't know, having also gotten married, gotten married earlier this year, uh, it rules watching you suffer. Yeah. I have to say, like, four four months ago, I have a screenshot of this. Four months ago, you sent me a message, like, right before my wedding, and I was like, this is coming for you. And you were making fun of me. You were like, you're still doing wedding stuff? And I said, this is happening, motherfucker. You're going to get this. And you said, nah, dude, I'm done. I don't have anything to worry about. And I took a screenshot of that because I was like, this is going to come back to haunt your ass, bass, you son of a bitch. Okay, but here's the thing. You went through so much more planning and hardship than I did. I would say altogether, I have done maybe a tenth at most of the work you have. The problem is that I'm me and any amount of decision making or really just causes me to have a nervous breakdown on the spot. This is not what I wanted the intro to be. Here's what I wanted the intro to be, Dan. Sometimes we get criticisms of this show. Uh, and and one of the criticisms that we get uh, is that we are vastly overestimating the impact that a television show can actually have, that media in general has on real life actions and like people's real life attitudes. And I feel like there's plenty of studies and things that can really back us up on this. Uh, a fact that I always like to, to point to is the fact that uh, in the couple of summers after jaws came out the shark population off the coast of new england went down by 50 percent because suddenly everyone was hunting sharks so but that is that is a uh a comment that we get a lot not a lot but like that it's, it's a common refrain so here's something i want to send you dan um uh, and i'm gonna edit it into um into the episode so like the listeners will hear what you hear i'm dropping this into chat the next thing you're about to hear, and I've got, I've got this set up for a specific time. This is a YouTube video from Dorktown, uh, from Secret Base's Dorktown, from their, their 
excellent series, The History of the Minnesota Vikings, which I recommend everybody go and watch on YouTube. Even if you don't like the Minnesota Vikings, even if you don't like football, mm-hmm. uh, somehow this stuff is so well written and so fascinating. Even though you're mostly just watching lines go up and down a screen, it's it's just it's worth watching. It, it, it's good storytelling. Is this anyway, John Boyce? Huh? This is John Boyce. Yeah, this is John Boyce. But w- what you're about to hear is not John Boyce. It's his partner, uh, Alex Rubenstein. Uh, and these this is talking about. Minnesota defensive end John Randall, uh, who was a defensive end for the 90s. And he's, this is a story about how he became a Minnesota Viking. It's only a couple seconds long. I'm going to send it to you. I w- I'm going to send this to you now, and I want you to tell me if anything sounds familiar. Remember how back in the 70s, the Vikings had an undersized defensive tackle who laid waste to the NFL's interior offensive lineman? Well, now in the 90s, history is repeating itself. John Randall grew up in poverty in a Texas farming town with about as many people as there are football players on the sidelines of a game. In high school, after football practice, he needs to hitch a ride home, sometimes not arriving till 10 at night. This daily ordeal nearly makes him give the sport up, but he knows football can provide a path to a better life and works non-stop to make it happen. That path takes him from community college to Division II Texas A&I, and despite dominant play in two years there, he goes undrafted in 1990 with his weight of a little over 240 pounds proving a roadblock to his NFL dreams. He's brought in for a workout by Tampa where his brother plays, but it doesn't work out when he balks at the idea of switching to linebacker. It doesn't work out in Atlanta for the same reason. Then when Minnesota takes a look at him, it doesn't work out because they require his weight to be 250 to be given a chance on what is already the league's smallest defensive front. Hope of making it in pro football is beginning to fade, and he's fully prepared to begin a career as a garbage man. Then one day, after about a month of trying in vain to add any weight whatsoever, a 244-pound Randall steps on a scale with a 7-pound padlock chain tied around his waist, and John Randall instead becomes a Minnesota Viking. (laughs) Okay. Does that sound familiar to you, Dan? Does that sound familiar to you at all? Do you think he got that from the show? I refuse to believe that this is a coincidence. I refuse to believe that, like, it's too much of a coincidence that John Randall, probably at a time who is from the South, who definitely saw Andy Griffith reruns all the time, especially in the 80s and 90s. I refuse to believe that it is a coincidence that John Randall got onto the Minnesota Vikings using the exact same fucking trick that Barney Fife used <laughs> so, to make weight. I mean, what year was this? And this was the 80s, this is 19, right? This, this is 1989 to 1990. All right. Well, then, yeah, yeah. That, that is completely feasible that this would be thoroughly in the zeitgeist by now. And his, like, his dad was like, hey, man, you know what I saw on a TV show once? Got put on a big-ass chain. I completely believe I'm losing my mind over this. I was just watching this documentary and I saw that and just started screaming. 100%. John Randall joined the NFL because he saw an episode of the Andy Griffith show. It's like being able to see the source code of America. Like we're in the Matrix just seeing the ones and zeros drip down the screen. and For some reason, we're able to register that as Kung Fu. (laughs) You cannot tell me that isn't the case. 
I, I don't care if John Randall himself comes into my house and tells me this. I'm pretty sure he's dead, but I, I, I don't care if John Randall shows up and tells me this like right now. I, it's, it's impossible. That's fucking true. He's rising from the grave right now and be like, some motherfucker is attributing one of my better career decisions to the Andy Griffith show. And I have to travel to Philadelphia for my grave in Atlanta to kick his ass. Like He's just moving slowly in your direction now. Okay, he's, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's on his way. He is he's alive on and his he's, way. A, he's actually fairly young. He's 55 years old. Okay. He's gonna, okay, so now he's going to find out about this. He's going to be like, not only did this guy attribute my success to the Andy Griffith show, but he thought I was dead. So I'm going to fucking kick the shit out of him. Or, Listen, listeners, or tweet John Randall, John Randall and tell John, him this happened. John Randall, there's an upcoming episode about a football coach that we could use a guest for. If anybody knows John Randall, I'd like to make amends for him for thinking that he's dead. Uh... <laughs> Wouldn't be the first guest we've had on that has severe CTE. <laughs> All right. So on that note, on that incredibly, that's a really grim and dark note for this very grim and dark episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Let's talk oh, about this yeah. Andy Griffith show episode. We're going to uh, have a weird vibe. I mean, we opened with you yelling at me about my wedding. I, we ha- spent a half hour on technical difficulties. And this, is we weird, this is a weird vibe episode. About but listen, CTE. Listen, I need us to talk about... It's because we're avoiding talking about this episode. This is some of the bleakest, darkest shit I have ever seen on TV. So much that even the, like, Mayberry Wiki people are like, Jesus Christ, dude! Mm. <laughs> it's deranged. It, it is, like... I, I don't even know. You could, like, show this in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and people would throw up. Like, it is... Oh. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you this right now. I'm going to read the one-sentence summary to you, but the one-sentence summary from Wikipedia has changed since the last time I checked it. Uh, here is the one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. We're talking about uh, episode Season 5, Episode 18, The Rehabilitation of Otis, written by Lawrence J. Cohen and Fred Freeman. Originally airs January 18, 1965, directed by Peter Baldwin. And here is the uh, one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney tries to cure Otis of his drinking habit. Mm-hmm. Period. That's it. That's the entire thing. Okay. When I checked this a couple weeks ago, the uh, the one sentence summary was, Otis buys a cow thinking it's a horse. Period. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever seen a Wikipedia change, and then you go onto the uh, the community page behind it? And it'll be like just somebody changed uh, the slight language on like a, a summary of an episode of Becker. A- and then you click onto the background and it's like, Steve, if you change my fucking copy again, I will send a SWAT team to your house. I swear to God, like just <laughs> dissertations of guys yelling at each other. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely happened is that there's two guys in the background of Wikipedia who are constantly flipping those back and forth. <laughs> Be like, we don't want don't talk about the alcoholism. Let's keep it light. There's a horse. In, there's a cow and somebody thinks it's a horse. That's the point of the episode. And somebody's like, we need to hit this head on. We need to address this. We need to call it out. We need to gather everybody who has ever edited this wiki in a room. And they've all written you a letter, Stan. Talking about how your Wikipedia addiction, editing addiction, has affected them. 
just everybody lining up and then there's one guy in the room be like it's about a cow come on it's nothing serious it's just about a guy who th- thinks a cow is a horse <laughs> can you imagine reading on, too much into it can you imagine having an intervention for somebody who's addicted to editing wikipedia <laughs> and every time you're like stan because you're editing the wikipedia article on one piece you missed our anniversary. And he's just like, citation needed. <laughs> Dear Stan, I love you like a brother, but you spent 48 hours straight editing Wikipedia pages on ancient Rome. Stan, you don't know anything about ancient Rome. You're just looking at other Wikipedia articles and using those to make edits. I love you, man. You need to stop doing this. Your kids don't remember your face. Stan just takes a piece of paper and looks right at the bottom. It's like, there's no references here. (laughs) (laughs) This intervention is a stub. (laughs) You can help by making more friends. Yo, while we're on the topic of Wikipedia, have you ever gone to one for something like really obscure where there's not a lot of like a scrutiny because probably eight people have visited it in the last like 10 years and somebody got to just really let it hang out just like editorialize wildly kind of treat it like fanfiction dot for 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 years for years the uh the script wikipedia description of the newspaper comic strip dustin uh, observed that it was a hateful comic strip about an old by an old boomer piece of shit who hates his entire family <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and a put upon hero millennial who just uh, cannot catch any breaks it was like there were just he- a long description somebody wiki vandalized the description for Dustin which is by the way one of the worst fucking comic strips that has ever existed and when I say that you know I've seen bad strips I hate Dustin, dude. Marty's Comics Corner. Okay, so here's the thing about Dustin. Talk okay. to me about Dustin, bro. D- Dustin, just to be before we jump into this, are you the person that made those Wikipedia edits? I am not. I am okay, not. Cool. But I know who did. Okay, continue. Yeah. Uh, and it was like that for years. So Dustin uh, is a relatively new comic strip. It's only about you know I think eight six to eight years old, uh, and basically the entire premise of Dustin is fuck those kids. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, Dustin, the titular character, is canonically he's twenty one or twenty two. He graduated e- uh, with an English degree and then moved back in with his parents. And so every single strip is just designed to say, "Look at Dustin. He's such a dumb piece of shit who lives with his parents. God, why can't he have a job with his English degree?" We frequently see Dustin trying out for. And uh, and interviewing for multiple other jobs. Sometimes he's a substitute teacher, and yet every single comic strip is is designed for just like people just wander off and just just hate on this dude for no fucking reason. I actually like spoke to an editor about this one time because I had no idea why everyone in this universe hates this normal guy so much, and they were just like. Sometimes people are mean. <laughs> the, there is a be... darkness within the human soul, and Dustin is a vent for it. <laughs> it should be noted that the uh, the author of Dustin, Steve Kelly, uh, is also, you would be surprised to learn, uh, a right-wing editorial cartoonist and a huge fucking piece of shit. The artist, Jeff Parker, is strangely talented. And that's the other problem, is that like there's good art in Dustin when someone puts effort into this. 
But anyway, uh, Dustin is one of the most frustrating goddamn strip comic strips I've ever seen. And if we want to do an entire episode about Dustin, I can do this. All right, so end oh, of Dustin Marty's comics. Seems nice. Dustin seems fine. Dustin's he looks fine. Like a nice guy. Yeah, but but this this comic loves to do like the oldest fucking boomer jokes. They love women be shopping. They love uh weird stoner jokes. They love to have Dustin just walk up and approach a bar, a woman in a bar and then get called a loser. It is definitely like it's definitely like what young people are based on a person who's never ever spoken to a young person. And the the author's insert on that is definitely Dustin's dad, Ed Cudlick, who is a rich boomer lawyer who has everything figured sorted out and he's the man. Uh, although they do make like fat jokes for him by having him go to the doctor a bunch of times. It's just such dated 80s and 90s ass punchlines in modern art. And I hate it. I hate Dustin. Dustin can fucking rot. And I, I'm, I'm so mad at whatever Wikipedia editor uh, undid that van- those edits and that vandalism. All right. So back to the rehabilitation of Otis. Okay. So okay, all right, okay, this episode opens up with uh, Barney being deeply annoying. Barney has yeah. a magazine of trivia and facts that he got. He's subscribed to a new magazine that sends him new information every, every month. And and he's just reading off inane facts about, for example, horses' eyes stay the same for their entire lives. Some bullshit about stars. Which I thought that the joke that they were going to do was that he had subscribed to a book for children or a magazine for kids. I really thought that that's the direction they were going. He's for. reading like highlights for kids kind of things. Yeah, basically, like, and it's supposed to be like he's he's subscribing to the almanac. Like that thing that you used to do where they would send you like books that were supposed to contain the sum of human knowledge. But right. it's like a shitty magazine version. And he just happened to get the one that's fun facts. Like, right. Like, like some, some cool conversation topics that'll make you the smartest kid in school. Um, but yeah, he's being fucking annoying and he's bothering Andy with several un, un, extremely boring topics of conversation. He's doing the thing where he's like, Boy, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. This is amazing. Boy, that is something. And Andy finally is just like, what can't you believe, Barn? Fine. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 great. it really does help. Alone. It really does help our, our uh, Andy so done with this theory. Yeah. Like, he's so irritated. And he finally does just tell Barney, like, hey, man, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> he says, why don't you read that, that book to yourself? See, like season one Andy would have fucked with him and season like two and three Andy would have just been like oh you know that's cool horse eyes you know horses got pretty eyes and then would have just said some bullshit and this season of Andy is just like I don't fucking care season one Andy would have like made an entire bit out of just writing facts onto post-it notes and sliding them into the magazine and just getting Barney to believe uh, his lies. And he would do that just for the fun of it. And that would be the entire episode. It would have been horribly cruel, but it would have been something. But he's kind of just like, he just basically vomits wasps every time Barney does a Barney thing now, which 
I mean, to be fair, is what we've been yelling at him to do for four fucking seasons, and now he's doing it, and it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, it's not that fun to just watch a guy be mad at his friend. Yeah. It's not that fun to listen to a podcast that's two guys yelling about a wedding. (laughs) They're just standing there, and he's just sitting in there annoyed, and they're like, well, nothing's much happening. And then they hear a bunch of ruckus and commotion and a literal cowbell coming from outside. And they go outside, and there is Otis uh, in a drunken stupor riding a cow through the middle of town. Uh, and everyone's gathered around him, and he says, Ah, look at this beautiful horse that I bought from old Farmer Dairy. Ah, yeah. I paid $20 for this beautiful horse. And there's one funny bit where uh, Andy says, oh. Otis, can't you see you got a horse that makes milk? And Otis says, I knew this was a good deal. So, okay. The image of Otis on a horse. On a cow. uh, On a cow. You might be wondering, is it funny? And the answer is yes. Yes, it is fucking hilarious. (laughs) But there is also, because also everybody is gathered around Otis pointing and laughing and basically mocking this drunk man on a cow um and it is somewhat undercut by the fact that andy and barney are not like <laughs> otis is on a cow they're just like oh shit oh fuck what did he do we gotta get him off the cow get the, get get him off the cow get like you would like if your friend threw up at a party where like every like everybody is like all right get some fucking towels and let's get them like Let's get them outside. And like, it's not there. It's not like they the respond with is, like, with like genuine concern and like, ir- and, and, and irritation. Right. Yeah. They're not in on the joke. Uh, and yeah. also I'll just say, if anything, a drunk man riding a cow is way more impressive than riding a horse. Like, yeah. Cows, cows really don't, don't want that. They typically don't like to be ridden. Um, They're not fans. It's not part of the deal we have with them. Yeah. No. Uh, and a, a it's cow. Not in the, it's not in the terms and conditions of a cow. You're va- you're voiding the warranty on that cow <laughs> if you try to ride it. And honestly, a cow can also kick the shit out of you. I mean, like, so could a horse, but like, yeah. A- anyway, so so he's riding the cow. They get him off the cow. They let him sleep off the thing. And Barney says, for the first time ever, like Otis has a problem. Yeah. This is bad. Side note, I don't think I've ever, and I've been very, very, very drunk in my life. I don't think I've ever been drunk enough to mistake a cow for a horse. One time, Mm -hmm. one time I was very high and I was walking around the streets of Portland, Oregon, and I was uh, waiting at a uh, crosswalk for a light to change. And I looked across the street and for a couple of seconds, I thought that centaurs were real. But what I was actually seeing was a man standing next to a Great Dane. Right. So he was standing next to the Great Dane. So like the dude is standing there. And then like a big ass dog butt is standing, is coming out of okay. that. Yeah. So. And, and, and how, wait, re- repeat how many seconds you thought that centaurs were real. Five. And for those five seconds, did you make any like plans about how you needed to change your life or like. The things were you doing? Were you like, fuck, fuck, I have to tell somebody that centaurs are real. I have to take my camera out. 
I mean, listen, you or was don't it like apparently centaurs have always been real and I just nobody had told me. Listen, you don't know how you're going to react to that information. I just yeah. felt very at peace. Like even more I was just like, "Huh. Centaurs are real." And if I'll be honest with you, man, I don't think I've ever known true happiness since I found out they weren't. Since the moment I, mean, I realized I was looking at a dog, I don't think I've really known true joy. I I think, uh, yeah, because if you find out centaurs are real, it's not like it's an issue. Like, it's not like, oh, crap, we got to be on the lookout. There's centaurs. It'd be like, oh, cool, yeah, the world's slightly better. No, yeah, there's just a centaur. I mean, there's just a centaur here and he's wandering around the Pearl District, probably going to get a beer. You know, like all of our hypothetical musings about what we would do if there were centaurs are now uh, we got to like get to work on them. You have to sit there and just be like, is it? I can't, I can't ask to, that's rude. I can't ask to ride, right? Like, that's, that's rude. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, yeah, so, but you only had five seconds. You didn't have time to really digest, like, were you going to ask the centaur if you could ride him? No, no, no. Um, I didn't, yeah. I didn't have a whole lot of time. But also, like, time was, I, I had some time dilation things going on. Uh, were you on mushrooms? You said you were, you were just high. I were was very on? high. I, I might have been on mushrooms. Okay. The, the. <laughs> The drunkest I've, I think the only time I remember this happening is I once was waiting for the bus and I thought a trash can was a very rude guy. Uh, and I think that's the extent of it. I just thought it was a guy that was not answering my questions. Okay, so as I, as I say this out loud, as we say these words, okay, I completely believe that maybe you could mistake a cow for a horse. Never mind. I'm, I'm now back on Otis's team. Um, no. Don't be on Otis's team for any of this. That's what Andy does. It's called enabling. Right, right, right. Because Barney comes and says, Otis needs help. Like, Otis needs a psychiatrist. Otis needs professional help. And Andy says, yeah, well, we don't have any, so that sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, tough shit. Basically, yeah, because Andy's for Barney is like, this is really bad. I don't think I've ever seen him this drunk. And Andy's like, well, when he sleeps it off, he won't be this drunk anymore. And then it's fine. And Barney is like, I think we should intervene in some way. Like, he needs professional help. And Andy is like, there is none. <laughs> Let's go back to the thing we were doing. Um, and- actually, actually, I love that because the thing that they were doing was not a thing he was enjoying either. Yeah. Like, he wants to go back to the other thing that he was that he hated. The other part of his life that he hates. Talking with Barney. Barney is convinced that uh, because he read a magazine on psychology, that he's qualified to uh, provide the psychiatric help, the psychological help, that Otis must need in order to get through his addiction. Andy, of course, says, no, you're not in any way qualified to do that. And Barney says, no, it's okay. I read a magazine, and uh, these are just really simple things that any layman can do. These simple psychological assessments. I think we'll be okay. And so he... Yeah, so everything Barney does after this point is better than Andy. It's not uh, numb enablement. Uh, He is identifying that his friend has an issue and trying to resolve the issue. But, to be fair, it is entirely based out of a desperate need to feed his ego. Because he is just trying to establish that he could be a psychiatrist if he wanted to. Right. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, and he does wake up, you know, he's, he stands outside or sits outside and waiting for Otis to wake up. When Otis does wake up, he subjects him to a, an ink blot test, a single ink blot test, uh, which had these just been invented at the time. Now this does show, I just realized you're wearing, uh, yeah. I realized you're wearing your ink blot, your Rorschach t-shirt. Which was completely coincidental, and I had a conversation with my coworkers where they tried to figure out uh, what my shirt was. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you you are so Dan is currently a wearing a, a Rorschach uh, uh, test t shirt. It's kind of kind of dope. I think it looks like an yeah. owl. Uh, so they do show the ink blot. They do show the ink blot uh, on the screen that Barney reveals. Uh, Dan, what did you think it looked like? Uh, the, the one on the show or the one that's on my chest? The one on, the one on the show. Uh, Deer Skull. Deer Skull. Okay. I thought it looked like a, like a Valentine, like a dark heart, like a black emo heart. Yeah. Uh, there is a bit where, um, where Otis says it looks like a bat. I can see that. It yeah. does kind of look like a bat. Barney says, you're wrong. This is clearly a butterfly. Uh, and they have an argument about butterflies versus bats. You like to, Otis says, I, or Barney says, you like to see ugly things. You only like to see the ugly things. You want to see, I want to see butterflies and you want to see bats. And Otis goes, I don't know. Sometimes I want to see a bat. Bats are cool. Yeah. Bats are dope. Much better than seeing a butterfly. Uh, is this scene good? Is. I mean, okay. So the joke of um delivering a rorschach test and then immediately telling your patient that he's wrong is fucking funny it's very funny. like the fact that it is no completely knee jerk not a second pause by don knots after saying well that's wrong <laughs> and you're fucking crazy for having said that i'm worried about you um and just starts immediately screaming at him yeah it's that pretty good that is fun it so, is fun. Uh, I think it's fun when when Andy intervenes in their in their fight, uh, and Barney says, uh, "You don't know it, Otis, but you've been naked in front of me." And Otis just says, "No, I haven't. No, I haven't, Andy." Otis is the best fucking character. Hal Smith is the funniest guy on this show by a country mile. Yeah, like, I'm always excited when Hal Smith comes in, but he's also just deeply, deeply sad. Just the like the tragedy here. Um, but, but Barney says you were riding a cow, and Otis was like, "Oh, I don't didn't know that you were drunk too." But that's very, I think um, that's funny. Yeah, it's all good. Um, Andy comes in. Basically, Barney and Otis are on the verge of fist fighting each other when Andy intervenes and just basically says, "We're done with this. This isn't happening anymore." Otis has to leave, and Barney gives Otis his phone number and says to call him the next time he wants to get drunk. Okay, let's po let's call this out here. This is the only thing that anyone in years has ever done to help Otis. Yeah. Right? No one has ever... Barney is being a genuine friend here. He's, yes! For w whatever whatever missteps of anything else, Barney is being the only person in Otis's life. Otis is married, remember? Yeah. The only person in Otis's life who is just like, Hey man, um, I'm, I'm worried. Call me. I want to help you. We're going to discuss whether or not Otis is still married. I don't know if Otis is still married, because this I, episode makes it clear that he, he don't got nothing to come home to. I, I think there might be evidence that Otis might be homeless. That's true. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so to be to to double back on something, Otis has gotten clean before and been sober for like at least an episode. They have called out that Otis was not drinking anymore. And then I think um, they were like, "Well, this isn't funny." Yeah. Um. So they have like done relapses with Otis, but also, yeah, you've gotten to the point this point, and nobody's thought to go like, "Hey, man." Instead of having a drink, do you want to talk to me? <laughs> like, in this, like, supposedly mega-friendly setting, nobody has just been like, Hey, do you want to, like, talk at all about yeah, why yeah. you drink so much? Yeah, the, the, show, the show pretends that, like, Andy is doing the right thing by giving Otis a small, like, comfortable place to, to dry out. And they also say, that is the end of Andy's responsibilities to his community. Right, the sort sort of the overall lesson by the end of this is, is uh, Otis will never not be an addict. Otis yeah. will never get better. The best you can do is give him a comfortable death. <laughs> Which, to be fair, at this time period, if you aired an episode of a television show that was, uh, hey, if a loved one in your life is drinking too much and you're worried about them, intervene and get them to stop. The dads of America would have just rioted across the country to Hollywood and burned it to the ground. At this point, they were like, listen, the best we can do is to stop hitting our wives as much when we're blackout drunk. Uh, like, that's that's what we're going to negotiate. A fandom user writes in eight, in August of 2014, This episode is a good example of something that is bound to trouble a modern viewer. Namely, nobody in Mayberry, not even Andy, seems interested in getting Otis help with his drinking problem. Barney's yeah. attempts here may be annoying and off-putting, but I have more respect for his at least trying than I do for Andy's do-nothing attitude where Otis is concerned. Where yeah. Otis Campbell is concerned, Andy is definitely an enabler. Parentheses, of course, we are talking about a different time with different attitudes when comic drunks like Foster Brooks and Dean Martin were popular, but today I can't help but thinking that o Otis is courting a bad case of liver cirrhosis. So even the Mayberry Wiki people are like, Jesus, dude. I mean, when you are an alcoholic and suddenly um, it starts hitting way harder, way faster, and you start doing crazy shit, that is an early sign of liver failure. Yeah. Later that night, or uh, later the next night or something, Barney gets a phone call at home from Otis. Uh, and it wakes him up in, in the middle of the night. And Barney says, okay, stay there. I'm going to be right there. Barney's being his sponsor. He's his AA sponsor, to be clear, at this point. Otis didn't ask him to be the sponsor, but that's the role that Barney is playing. Barney calls Andy, who is, for some reason, wandering around his house in the dark in his uniform. I can't get over this. I know I've said this a bunch of times, but Andy wanders around his own house in his uniform so often it's weird yeah get changed at this point it's in the dark so like he's yeah. about to go to bed like, it's very strange and barney calls andy and says hey help me out here let's go let's go check out what otis called me about let's go talk to him this could be an important thing again mm -hmm. and andy doesn't want to go barney talks him into it they go together otis is riding the cow again <laughs> Yes. I don't know how he keeps getting the cow, but Otis is riding the cow again. Otis is at a party at supposedly respectable members of the community 
They are having a house party. Otis comes from behind the house on a cow. So basically, Otis went to a house party showing that the common people of Mayberry are also getting drunk with Otis. Uh, and they're basically using Otis as like the drunk plaything. A cover. Like, he's, he's, he's their scapegoat. Like, yeah, we're <laughs> yeah we're doing illegal drinking, but that dude's illegal drinking more. He, that guy's on. They're, do you think they saw the squad car pull up and they're like, send out Otis on the cow. Send out Otis on the cow. He'll take the heat off. He'll take the heat off. We'll just say it was Otis. Otis runs out on the cow while everybody else slips out the back door. Yeah. 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 Uh, a classic move when you were at a house party in high school. Sending out a guy on a cow. Sending out a guy on a cow. You send out the least popular drunkest friend and just let them take the heat. In this case, like, Barney cuffs him. Barney says, fuck mm. this, dude. You're under arrest. <laughs> yeah. Because they're like, Barney is like, you need to come with me. And uh, and Otis is like, I won't. And I don't want to get the uh, get off the cow. And Barney arrests him, to which Otis is like, how dare you arrest me? We have a good thing going. Like, the gall. And, you know, I don't want to be on this show advocating for people getting arrested necessarily, because I feel like it kind of goes against our whole deal. But also, he's on a fucking cow on somebody's lawn and refusing to get off the cow. Yeah, I like, mean... I mean... Are there better interventions for this? Yes. But those require, like, professionals who are trained in other things. Barney yeah. has one... As a cop, Barney has one move. Cops only... We talk about this a lot, like, in abolitionist movements. Cops really only have two plays that they can use. Arrest yeah. or shoot. Like, that's it. Yeah. And Barney uses one of the two tools at his disposal. So, like I can't... Is it... Is it wrong? Maybe societally, but like in that instance, that is his only move. That is the only option yeah. he has. And I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to advocate for arresting the drunk in, in the in the in this case. Yeah, arrest the drunk guy on a fucking cow. He's on somebody's lawn. Like, was the alternative move was Andy just going to let him like wander the cow around in circles? Maybe just like follow him on the squad car until he gets sleepy and falls off. Like. Like, yeah, fuck it. This is get this is getting intense. It is like an actual escalation of how drunk this guy is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, like, we kind This of briefly becomes it. an episode of Cops. He we we blew past it, but the reason that Otis bought a cow is because he got so blackout drunk that a farmer lied to him and told him the cow was a horse and sold it. I'm assuming for way too much money twenty dollars so, which i'm not gonna look it up but i assume that's a fuckload of money yeah definitely too much for a cow i'm assuming even high for a horse uh so like not only does like nobody give a shit but people are like actively ripping the dude off now. yeah like, like people are actively fucking with him he's, he's now a danger to himself so yeah uh so they take him they take him back to the to the jail the next day when they let him out He's pissed. You know, as you said, he said, how dare you arrest me? You can't arrest me. We're friends. Or we used to be friends. I'm never coming back to this jail ever again. And he leaves. Yeah. And then he, I, I can only assume, hops in a train car? Yeah, like, okay. I think, I think you're right. There is some evidence here that, that Otis might be homeless. Because so they go, to, to, to just kind of fast forward through the most boring part of this episode. 
they go to Floyd's barbershop and they ask Floyd, hey, where is Otis? And Floyd does the thing where he doesn't understand the conversation for six minutes. Um, and they eventually extract that Otis has left town. He got shaved twice, so he's going to be away for a little while. Otis says officially, I am skipping town. I am moving to Mount Pilot with no earthly possessions. He's not like, I'll come back to my house to sleep or my job to work at or like, you know, my wife to be in a loveless relationship with. Um, He's just like, yep, I'm going to take all my earthly possessions, this suit, and go do my job drinking at another place to go get arrested. To be clear here, right? Supposedly, Otis has a wife. Um, let's assume maybe an ex-wife at this point. And the, the town police, when looking for this missing person, do not ask the wife. Because yeah. that would involve hiring another woman for the show. She is long gone. She. I don't think there is a world in which you could pretend like Otis has anything but a crater of a life to go back oh, to. Oh, she's, yeah, like, she she doesn't live in that in that town anymore. She is gone. Also, just, so I just realized gone. there are no women in this episode. No, <laughs> As none. As I said that, there are zero. They talk about later how Otis comes to the drunk tank and he gets a meal in the morning. He gets taken care of. Do you think the jail is basically a homeless shelter for him where this is yes. the only way yes. he's getting food? 100%. I didn't think that until we started talking, but yes, I, I believe that 100%. I do not think Otis has a roof. I, yeah. I think he's basically drank away his I think, entire life. I think I think his wife is gone. I don't think there is a, a roof over his head. He probably fell behind on his rent. He does not have a job. So, if anything, Barney, you probably should have stepped in before the cow. I probably feel like, before the I cow. I feel like the cow was not the worst thing here, actually, now that I come up with this. I feel like, given all of that, riding a cow because you think it's a horse, pretty low. Pretty low yeah. on the list of offenses. Probably should have stepped in when Martha left. Like, probably should have been like, hey, she took the kids, man. <laughs> hey, man, uh, you're here a lot more lately. Just noticing. Yeah, um. yeah like, this, this was basically Barney kind of turning to the camera just being like, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm not having a good time. This was funny. I liked the way he fell over when he was drunk. It, we all had a good laugh. It kind of united the community. But now this is getting kind of weird. He's on a cow. <laughs> like, Yeah, this, like, this man's definitely homeless. Yeah, Otis is fucking homeless. He just goes to another town and the first thing he does is get arrested almost like intentional no intentionally he says i'm gonna go start getting arrested in another town so that i can go stay in their jail which yeah. means that kind of the point of getting drunk at this point is to get arrested to have a place to sleep in fact in fact that's shown when we go to the jail in raleigh so andy and barney go to the jail in raleigh uh to go check on otis uh, and it's even very funny. They're like, well, we, we got to go ch get him, right? Like they have, re they almost come to the, to the conclusion that they're not real cops and this isn't a real jail. Cause yeah. they kind of say like, he won't last in Raleigh. Those are real ja jails. Like, yeah. 
Like, he's too soft for that. We got to go get him. So they go to Raleigh. He's uh, a cartoon character. He can't be in the real world. They go They go to Raleigh, and uh, Otis is sharing a cell with a man named Frank. Uh, I have Frank's... Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, he's sharing... The actor's name is Frank. The actor's name is Frank Katie. Uh, he's sharing a cell with a man named Luke. Uh, and uh, Luke, played by Frank Katie, is like this old, bald drifter who is talking to Otis about the best and worst jails they've ever drank in and gotten stuck in. This is kind of funny, right? Like, uh, Luke's like, oh, don't go, go, don't, don't go down south of, of Mount Pilot. They got the worst jails there. One of them was next to, uh, to an auto parts, uh, to a mechanic, and I couldn't sleep at all. So Luke is for sure a homeless hobo. Yes. Like, Luke is very clearly there. And I don't know what this show thinks distinguishes Otis from Luke. They seem exactly alike. They're literally in the same cell. So yeah. but for some reason, uh, maybe just because he's from here, uh, Andy and Barney feel like they have some obligation to Otis and Otis deserves better, but not Luke, even though they're there for the same fucking deal. Um, yeah. But they go there, and uh, Otis kind of snubs them and says, I don't want to go back. No, I'm done. We're not friends. You guys don't care about me. I'm done. Bye. Yeah. And kicks him out. The rest of the episode is kind of dedicated to Barney being sad that his friend isn't here anymore. Yeah. And they have a little moment where they're like, boy, we sure do miss Otis. He was a belligerent alcoholic but he was our belligerent alcoholic i guess we'll never see him again and they're really sad that their friend is probably dead yeah like let's be basically no i think i think that they're i think they're slowly coming to the realization that they were the only thing that was keeping otis from dying in a ditch (laughs) okay so you there is a dynamic to the one thing you said which is they beg otis come back otis tells them to fuck off Barney is repeatedly saying, like, listen, Otis, I'm sorry. I went too far. I shouldn't have arrested you. Just come back. We're concerned about you. We want to make sure you're safe. Just come back from the jail cell. It'll be like it was before. And Otis is like, nah, man, I I don't want to. No, no, no. And Andy just goes like, you know what, Otis? You do what you want to do. You come back if you want to come back. You stay here if you want to stay here. I don't give a shit. So it is Andy who basically says, like, I don't. I don't fucking care. Yeah, like, that's true. Andy that's true. Is the I one forgot. Got to mention that. The Andy snaps. Andy's like, I don't fuck it. Fuck you. I didn't want to be yeah. here. I didn't want to be dragged to Raleigh. I didn't want to deal with you in the first place. Fine, do whatever. So you're right. You're right. Yeah. That, that is an important thing to note. Is that it is Andy's call to just be like, no, I don't care, man. I'm done. Yeah. Again, yeah. again, he's so over this. He's so. He does not care. At, at this point, if Otis fucking lives or dies, he does not give a Which, shit. Which, I mean, if you've ever known an alcoholic, you've definitely gotten that angry at them before. Yeah. Like, if you've ever known an alcoholic, you've definitely had that moment where you're like, I don't care. Fuck off. Yeah. Get sober or don't. Yeah. And then you felt like shit afterwards. Yeah. Like, you feel horrible after that. But they're not even at the point where they're trying to get him to stop drinking. They're just trying to get him to dr- to do the exact shit he's doing in a different zip code. To, to drink or, at home. <laughs> yeah. We prefer you like, drink at home. If you're going to drink, you better do it at home. Like, they're being the cool yeah. mom. Uh, Basically, they're doing a whole cool mom thing. And that's kind of it. They have a little, like, 
moment where they're both really sad about about Otis and they think they're never going to see him again. Uh, and right before any consequences can happen, right before anything, they can come to the realization that, I don't know, we maybe, maybe our friend, we killed our friend. Maybe our friend is killing himself. Ding, 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 ding. There's a cowbell. Otis is here. He's back. He's just decided to come home. Uh, nothing can. Nothing is ever allowed to change. You are in purgatory. Nobody so, will ever improve or get better. This man will just ride a cow in drunkenly down the street for the rest of your life. You are Sisyphus. This is your boulder. Here is how bare fucking minimum they are, though. Why does he still have the cow? How does like, he keep getting the cow? How, what? Yes. How is the cow? He is returning the cow to him like fucking Mjolnir, where he is just like summoning the cow. <laughs> he's blowing into a conch shell. I mean, he paid money for it. That's him. his cow. How did they not immediately go back to the farmer and say, hey, you sold my friend a cow under false <laughs> pretenses. Give him his money back. Is he drunk driving? Do they want to give him a DUI? One sec. <laughs> Let's go ahead and Google this. Can you ride a horse drunk? Is it illegal? Get a DUI on a horse. Yeah. A person can not be convicted for a Pennsylvania DUI for riding a horse while under the influence, based upon the Supreme Court's decision. What case was this? <laughs> I don't know, but I. I... I do, I do appreciate that. I mean, I'm on DuckDuckGo, and the results I'm getting are from HorseRookie.com, NationalEquine.org, and something called Deep SmarterHorse.com. Hang on a second, I'm gonna look real quick on SmarterHorse.com. This article is from this year, January third, twenty twenty-three. It is possible. Oh, wait a second, wait a second. I've got com- conflicting info here, buddy. It is possible to get a DUI on a horse in states like Kentucky, California, North Carolina, and potentially Florida. Why potentially Florida? However, most state DUI laws only refer to motor vehicles. Therefore, drunk horse riders may only be charged with disorderly behavior, public drunkenness, and animal endangerment, all of which sound about as bad as a DUI. Okay. Looking at North Carolina specifically... Uh, the the court ruled against a, a rider in the State versus Dellinger case who was apprehended riding drunk on a public road in 1985 with blood alcohol level that exceeded the state's legal limit. Like other states with DUI laws, all public road users are required to be sober when operating a vehicle or riding a horse. While there have been several okay. attempts to amend North Carolina's DWI laws and remove the definition of horses as vehicles, none of them were successful. So legally... and. Time timeline doesn't work here, so I think Otis is in the clear. As of 1985, horses are legally vehicles in the state so, of North Carolina. The most the most recent precedent in the state of Utah is that a guy was drunk riding a horse and crashed into somebody, uh, but they could not be tried for a DUI because it it prohibits the operation of a vehicle while under the influence of alcohol. A vehicle is defined as a device. In, upon, or by which a person or property may be transported or drawn upon a highway, except devices moved by human power or used exclusively upon stationary rails or trucks. The operative word there being device, uh, to quote the Supreme Court decision. Probably state Supreme Court, right? It's got to be the state Supreme Court. Yeah, State Supreme Court. 
No dictionary we have examined defines device to encompass an animal. And, and section 41061 uses the word device in its usual sense. So they went with the dictionary defines a vehicle as. And, and we're like, well, dictionary. God. The law is so stupid. In Alabama, a woman attempted to ram a police car by riding a horse. The court decided to dismiss the case against her due to the state's vehicle code, stating that the code does not view the horse as a vehicle or device. The court also decided to dismiss the case because that woman was rad as fuck. (laughs) That woman is an American goddamn hero. I mean, terrible idea. Your horse will be liquefied. But <laughs> fuck the police, Silver. Yeah. No way. Like, okay. So what we've learned here is, if you want to get away with doing a DUI on a horse, check your state and local laws for how they define vehicle. I guess none of this really applies to Otis, who was not riding a horse but a cow. Marty, I just found a Quora. Uh, on this subject. <laughs> okay, here we go. Can't Quora, can you be charged with DUI if you are drunk riding a horse? Uh, first, first, first answer is from Ellie Anderson, whose experience uh, is listed as years of host, horse ownership, some formal training, and running equine facilities. Yes! Exclamation point. <laughs> yes, you can. When I was boarding horses for other people, I actually had a client get a DUI on his horse. He decided after drinking at the bar, unbeknownst to me, that riding his horse home about 15 miles down the freeway (laughs) was a good idea. It was not a good idea. Oh, my God. Next. Oh, my God. Next up. No, I'm doing Peter Holetz. Fuck you. Okay. Peter Holetz have a special place in my heart for horses and grew up with a lot of them. I don't think so in Montana. I believe there was a test case where the man got off as his attorney stated he was not in control of the horse and the horse will was willingly taking him home without any input from the man. So because the horse is in itself an, an animal able to make decisions, you cannot say that the man is driving. Technically, the horse is driving. You're just giving the horse strong recommendations. <laughs> strong logic. I follow that so, logic. I agree with it's this. Like if, if, it's like if I was drunk and you were driving me home and I kept telling, giving you bad advice. And I was like, you got to turn here. And you were like, that's a pond. And I'd be like, you got to turn here. And then you did that. They couldn't give me a DUI just for giving being uh, giving you bad ideas. Car, cars cannot decide to go anywhere. Like, a car will not pull off to the side of the road and start chewing on some grass. A horse definitely <laughs> will. A, if a horse is interested in uh, a bug or, like, a light post or something over there, guess what? You're going over there. So the only cars I know that can do that are Teslas. Oh, God. Victoria McKinney. Um, uh, In the UK, under the 1872 Licensing Act, yes, being drunk in charge of a horse is legal. Side note, the roads we drive on are called carriageways for a reason. Just because we use cars these days don't mean horses can't be classed as a vehicle. Fuck you, Victoria. Shut Shut the fuck up. Shut up, Victoria. Shut your British mouth. Shut your British whore mouth. 
<laughs> Shut up. Fuck you with your British nonsense. Think you're better than us just because you don't call them roads. You call them carriageways. Also, I know that none of you call them fucking carriageways. I've watched TV. Fuck. In the Netherlands, it is illegal to participate in traffic under the influence of alcohol. This means so they have a good, uh, they have a the Netherlands Netherlands makes it pretty clear. Also, like yeah. it's, it's important in the Netherlands because half of your roads are actually rivers. Like, why are all of our best and longest bits horse related? Why is it that every time a <laughs> horse gets brought up on this show? Animal. Okay, Cliff Tierney, uh, a, a daily hands-on provider of SEO for small to mid-sized businesses. So no horse expertise. Yeah, I, I, I did want to point out that uh, one that one of our Quora answers. Yeah, the uh, the the Netherlands, the Dutch man. Uh, his expertise is: I have a ten-year-old diabetic daughter. I, I'm, I'm sad, buddy. That's 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 a bummer. But what does that have to do with horses? Uh, so his answer is: I think it might depend on the state you're in, but I would doubt it. I know here in Georgia, you can get a DUI if you are boating asleep behind the wheel or using dry or using driving while on drugs. So. I feel like he just wanted, he was just like, well, I don't know about horses, but I definitely fell asleep behind the wheel of a boat. And that happened. I just wanted to work that into this. Oh, God. Brooke Newton, you can, happened in Wisconsin. So Brooke definitely got charged with this. I'm going to keep this. <laughs> Brooke New- Does Brooke Newton live in Wisconsin? Okay. So there is a, this one doesn't have good answers. But I just sent it to you. It's it's an alternate phrasing of the question that I really enjoy. How dangerous is it to ride a horse drunk? Will the horse be caring of you? <laughs> <laughs> the horse is- Shh, I got you, bro. I got you. You sleep. You you, you relax, bud. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> gonna go Old go. Montana is gonna get you home. Gonna get you a Gatorade. Just take me home. We're gonna swing by. A, we're gonna swing by a Rite Aid to get you some Pedialyte, bud. I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> You've taken care of me, and now it's time for Jean Jacket to take care of you. <laughs> Just. Oh, a guy is like doing the thing where he's at his car with the keys and he's like missing the uh, the hole a bunch. And then a horse just shows up and like rips the keys out of his mouth and just throws them away. And then like go, does like a just like, Yay! And it's like, <laughs> like, all right, horse. OK, you're my best friend. Get me home drunk. Thank you, Silverado. <laughs> Thank you, Silverado. <laughs> Do we want to rate this episode? Hang on, no. We need to talk about the fucking stinger. Oh, we need God, to talk the about the stinger. stinger. So much. About the stinger. Luke returns. Uh, the next day, they go. Well, it's good to have Otis back, and they send Otis out. And then Luke shows up and says, "Hey, fellas, I'm turning myself in. I'm drunk." Yeah. And they go, "Who the hell are you?" And, they, and he says, "I'm Luke. Remember, you met me in Raleigh." They go, okay, what do you want? He goes, well... Uh, in Mount Pilot. Or Mount Pilot, uh, whatever. You met me so, back there? And they go, yeah, I, I guess. What do you want, man? He says, well, you lock up drunks, don't you? And they go, kinda, yeah. 
And then Luke says, everybody come on in. And he invites a whole bunch of homeless alcoholics in to, and yeah. says like, and we this is the best jail we've ever seen. Look how comfortable this is. And that's that they close on. So, you know, remember, so, not only is it impossible for an alcoholic to get better, but if you show them any kindness, a bunch of other ones will take advantage of you. Remember that. So, okay. That's the lesson of this episode of the Andy Griffith show. I mean, what Andy Griffith and Barney have basically been doing this entire fucking show is running a really shitty jail, but a really good homeless shelter. So the problem is, is that the homeless people found out about it. And now they just have more than one guy. And now this is an insurmountable issue because they can't say we won't arrest. They're fucked. They have to take care of all these drunk homeless guys. Like, they can't be like, I'm sorry, the, the deal only applies to Otis. Like, this, all of you have to leave the, the county to get drunk this at season, gunpoint, probably. This season really is all of the bullshit, all of the chickens from, from the past four seasons coming home to roost. Like, I'm so glad we got to season five, because all the shit we've been yelling about, about Andy doing... It's finally coming down on him. He's finally suffering. I mean, and oh boy, is he suffering. You you know what it is, though? Is like, this is actually kind of their calling. Because they're shitty cops. <laughs> and they're this show should at, be They should be social workers. They're actually pretty good social workers. In a way, aside from, you know, letting their longtime friend slowly kill himself. Right. They're and, at and, a pretty good homeless shelter, basically. And they've it's kind of been their modus operandi forever of like, hey, you in some trouble? Come on down. I'm quote unquote arresting you. You're going to come stay at this building and I'm going to give you a place to sleep and a hot meal. And that'll sort you out, get you in a better headspace and you'll be better off for it tomorrow. It's definitely no other applications of what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Only a cop could do this, except we can't. Because when somebody asks us to do this on a mass scale... We freak out. Like, basically, the yeah, their, their true talent is they're really great at running a homeless they're shelter. They're really good at that. They're, they yeah. plus Aunt B are natural social workers. This show should be about some guys running a homeless shelter. Like, the guys that show up, they aren't like, we're a bunch of drunks that are here to take advantage. They're like, hey guys, guess what? Your life's calling has arrived. Yeah, like, they, they get really excited. The, 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 the drunks that show up, they get really excited because they see a, a, a pillow and a window and a chair. Like, yeah. that's what they're really excited to see. Yeah. Their standards are so low. And yeah, and so now, good thing this is TV logic and we'll never have to deal with this again. But Jesus, man. <laughs> All right, so ratings. Uh, I think this is a good time to debut the new meter that we yes, talked about. Let's start for sure. Up, did we decide it was the goober it's meter? It's the goober meter. It's the goober meter. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, do we want to do like uh, like a sound effect here for the goober meter? Like, like what if we did like a, an air horn? Like a blah, 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 goober meter? Like something like that? Maybe. Maybe. There's probably like a, a, a Judy, Judy, Judy sound effect I could play right here. Yeah, but do we people want to hear that? No. No one like, wants to hear more that. more than they have to? We're going air horn. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna do the we're gonna do a goober Chicago meter. So so you already know about the Barney meter and the Andy meter. Andy meter is how good this episode is, just as as a piece of television. Barney meter is how much psychic damage it did to America, 
And we have a new meter. Dan, would you like to explain the goober meter? So the goober meter is on a scale from 1 to 10. 10 being uh, how close to a nervous breakdown we think Andy is. How close he is to just opening fire. Lighting himself on fire with gasoline. Uh, How fucking done he is. So, like, the 10 uh, on the goober meter is game over screen it is over andy has killed somebody or just walked off into the woods like it's over one being he's doing great all right uh i'm, I'm on this one i'm gonna say like this is a six i want to i want to yeah. hedge my bets on this this is a six um he gets mad he starts off the episode already tired of barney's shit uh yeah so he's he's and he gets like vocally, like visibly mad at uh, at Otis in a way he never had before. But I'm gonna temper my expectations on this and call it a six, a six on the Goober meter. Yeah, that feels right. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say I'm gonna temper it a little bit more because I feel like like okay for point of reference last episode where he pulled a gun on a guy right what do we say that is on the Goober? That's meter? A n- let's make that our our north on the comments. okay. We'll make that a start. That's a nine. And the only reason yes. it's not a 10 is that he didn't fire. Yes, exactly. Okay, so that's a 9. So compared to that, we're going to say that... I'm going to say this is a 5. I say he is very... He basically says that he's okay if Otis lives or dies, but he doesn't get at all close to a point of physical violence. So I'm going to say a 5. Um, And the fucking logic of this scale is going to evolve as we get more data points to go off of okay so that's the goober meter what's the andy meter how good is this episode that's also a six maybe a seven the guy that plays luke is pretty funny i think it's pretty funny all the way through like as tragic and horrible as it is um otis on a cow and they bust it out three times they do a rule of threes i'm gonna put it at like a seven Maybe an eight. Let's say seven. All right. To be I safe. wasn't. I wasn't that amused by it, but I get it. I get it. Um, and then Barney meter, motherfucker. I mean, okay. Eight. Explicit lesson. Explicit. Very like big font. If you have somebody uh, who is uh, drinking to the point of like near death, mind your business. You keep it to your fucking like, self. Stay. If you try to intervene, it will just make them mad, and it'll just cause problems. So just, just stay out of it. Let them do what they're gonna do. Just, you know, just support them, and you know, make like kind of work your life around them drinking a lot. Like, kind of make sure that they're able to do that with as little punishment as possible. Um. So basically, just like the message of this is the worst thing to do if you know an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, this was again during the at this point I think late sixties, right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. What did I say earlier? So, this is, is nineteen sixty-seven. Yeah, 65. definitely. Sorry, we're, we're in the mid. We're in the mid sixties. Definitely not a period known for great things about alcoholism. I would say one of the one of the worst times um, uh, after people stop drinking grain alcohol. 
Um, yeah, like, I'd say pretty much the worst message to have at the worst fucking time. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna put it nine. I'm gonna say this is a nine. It's not, um, it's not particularly, like, outrageous. It's just, like, more deeply sad. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's bad. It's a nine. So, yes. It's, it's pretty damn ugly, like, this whole thing. I would say, let's see. Do I want to put this at an eight or a nine? I think I think I want to put this. I got. I want to put this at a nine too, simply because it's just like like the the other lesson here is don't be fucking don't 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 treat these people well. <laughs> they won't they won't yeah. get better. And uh, if you give if you give one of them nice things, they're all gonna want nice things. So yeah, this is a nine. This is this is a, a dark fucking depressing ugly episode i hate it yeah i hate it yeah and yeah, yet was, um, and yet hal smith sells it pleasant watch it's, it was a it was a tough god, watch uh, god damn it hal smith is a fucking genius I, it really is this was a tough watch all right that's it for us on this episode as always you can't get us at on us anywhere i have a blue sky account but i'm not using it just tell your friends about the show like just yeah. just tell your friends post ratings and reviews Email us at breakingmayberry@gmail.com, patreon.com slash breakingmayberry. That is where you can get all of our bonus episodes and extended episodes and extended cuts and more horse jokes that didn't make it into this episode. I'm making I'm making that guarantee. Are you kidding me that we're leaving we're taking out a single horse joke? You're out of your goddamn mind if I'm thinking if you think I'm letting you take out a millisecond of the horse part. I think I think some of that stuff has to be premium content, my dude. No, fuck you. Every second of horse stays in main feed. We'll talk about what it, what is a uh, Patreon episode, but no, absolutely not. Okay. All right. All right. My dead body. I am chaining myself to the horse portion of this episode. You're really like a not hippie to a tree. You're really not getting the whole Patreon thing. We're doing bonus episodes and shit. It rules. <laughs> we have we have to give some we have to re- like refrain some content. We have to hold some stuff back all right whatever patreon.com slash breaking mayberry support us with your many dollars music you heard before and after was written by max ludwig who is i don't know sometimes on twitch as at sleep talkie i don't know if he still does it or not uh we are uh gonna be off for a little bit getting dan hitched uh we'll be back in october uh with all new episodes of suffering uh until then we'll see you all down at the fishing hole a Bum 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 b